Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. When the war began in February, it was widely feared a large and well-equipped Russian military would quickly crush Ukrainian forces. Nine months in, it's done nothing of the sort. Today, Matt Bevan, host of the ABC podcast, Russia If You're Listening, and the Kremlin's failings through the eyes of one Russian soldier. I'm Matt Bevan. I am the uh, host of Russia, if you're listening, which is uh, a podcast that is kind of a sister podcast of ABC News Daily. So I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to have you on. Matt, since the war in Ukraine began, I think it's safe to say that we get a better sense of what's happening from the Ukrainian side than we do from the Russian side, Mm. because, of course, journalists have better access uh, to Ukrainian troops, whereas getting information out of Moscow is incredibly difficult. As part of your podcast, you set out to get a real insight into the life of Russian soldiers on the front line. Yeah, it's, as you say, it's tricky because uh, obviously Russian soldiers aren't as keen to talk to the media Mm. as Ukrainian soldiers are. Yeah, it's complicated to get a hold of a case of a a Russian soldier that we can really dig into and and, and really um, try and figure out you know, what makes an individual person tick. Mm. Eventually we we managed to figure out that we could tell the story of this guy named uh, Vadim Shishimarin. Mm. Okay, and who's he? Well, he's a 22-year-old soldier. He was 21 when uh, the war began. Mm-hmm. He's a professional soldier. He's a tank sergeant. Mm. He's been in the Russian military for a couple of years. He was born in Irkutsk in far eastern Russia. Uh, he moved from Irkutsk to Moscow to get a job as a tyre in a tyre repair shop, but then he transferred to become a professional soldier because he could make more money that way. Mm, right, and as a professional soldier, he was sent to war. Yeah, well, he, as far as he was concerned, he was being sent for training that just happened to be on the border with Ukraine in January of this year. So he was mm. uh, caught the train to uh, the training area there on the border. And as far as he knew, he was going for three weeks of training with his unit, his tank unit, uh, and it was a fair distance into that that he figured out that that wasn't quite what he was there for. Mm, Gosh, okay. And this is when, this is in January, early January, and this is when Mm. I guess the world didn't really know or maybe we didn't really believe what was coming. There was talk that Russian troops were gathering at the border, but we all sort of felt like, no, 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 you know, nothing's going to happen. There's not going to be a war. More Russian forces, not fewer, are at the border. And they are moving, concerningly, into fighting positions. Yeah. I've seen some reporting. I haven't been able to dig right into it, but I've seen some reporting that Ukrainian intelligence services were also pretty sceptical about whether there was a war because they Mm. had spies inside uh, these training camps that were on the border and they went, these people are not nearly organised enough for an invasion. They couldn't possibly, nobody thinks there's an invasion on, they think they're just here for training and Mm. so there probably won't be an invasion. But it turns out that (laughs) 
They were, they were disorganised, they didn't know what they were there for, but it turns out they were there for an invasion. At this time, Vadim, he's gone to the border thinking he's going there to do some training exercises, but then mm. he is deployed to war. Yeah, so he's uh, told that he is going on a three-day mission mm -hmm. across the Ukrainian border to this small city of Sumer, which is really quite close to the Russian border. And as far as he's aware, his mission is to intimidate the local officials and the local, um, yeah, basically the local government mm. in order to get them to surrender to Russia. The troops are being told, you're only going for a few days. Hmm. Is Russia thinking and the commanders of the army, are they thinking that they will only be there for a few days or are they just saying that to the soldiers? Well, they had what they believed was a pretty foolproof plan to take control of Kiev, the capital, mm. uh, with paratroopers and with uh, long support convoys coming along various routes. They would quickly be able to uh, knock off the government of Ukraine and then install a puppet regime. And uh, that, you know, by, by, the, by three days in, we'll have taken all of our objectives. Mm -hmm. uh, they seemed really confident about that, but uh, as we, you know, now know, their, their plans were not nearly adequate. Uh, they had vastly underestimated mm. the Ukrainian military and overestimated their own abilities. Mm, how wrong they were. And the three days turned into something much, much longer mm. for soldiers like Vidim. Yeah, it was, it was on the third night that things started to get pretty interesting for him. Mm. They were camped in a forest near Sumer. And it's unclear whether or not they knew that there was another tank group camped a, a couple of hundred metres away from them in the same forest. What happened was one of Vadim's group walked off to, uh, you know, get water or mm. go to the toilet or something like that, and he stepped on a stun grenade, which made a big bang. And the other tank group that was parked, that was camped nearby, assumed that that was mm. an attack from Ukraine. And so they got their guns out and started shooting in the direction of the noise. And it took them some time in order before they could figure out that it actually they weren't under attack from Ukraine, they were un under attack from each other. That was a pretty terrible incident for him. A number of people were wounded. And uh, the following morning, they had to sort of figure out what they were going to do about it. And they decided, well, these guys can't keep fighting. Mm. Uh, we will have to uh, take them home. Mm. Sounds like total and utter chaos, actually. Yes. I mean, it's not the sort of military we were led to believe that Russia had. Yeah. Look, it, it is incredible because, you know, we, we really – experts – really were convinced that Russia's military was in pretty good shape. Vladimir Putin had spent hundreds of billions of dollars modernising the Russian military in order to try and bring it up to a standard where, you know, they would be able to conduct this kind of mission. Uh, the interesting thing about this is potentially they thought that their military was in a better condition than it really, than it really was. Corruption is so deeply ingrained in the Russian military uh, structure, that it's possible that people whose job was to, you know, provide the radios, for example, maybe they were given money by the government to provide good working encrypted radios. 
They didn't do that. They pocketed the money and then they gave a bit of the money to the inspectors whose job it was to make sure that they had the radios. And then the inspectors said, oh, yeah, radios are here, all good. Not thinking that they would ever be in a situation where they would have to use them. They had busted tanks. They had expired rations, 10 years out of date food that they were being fed. They uh, didn't have enough ammunition And on top of all of that, they were poorly trained. The soldiers Mm. had not been given the level of training that they were supposed to have been given. Gosh, and this is all really bad news for young soldiers like Vadim. Mm. Tell me, Matt, what happened after that friendly fire incident? So they've now got a a bunch of uh, injured men and they decide to take them back into Russia. They weren't very far away from the Russian border. And so they formed a convoy of... Uh, two tanks uh, and medical vehicles and supply trucks uh, to carry these wounded men back to Russia. Uh, Vadim's convoy was attacked by superior Ukrainian weaponry. The front tanks that were guarding the convoy blew up and uh, they suddenly found themselves without any protection. Mm. And so they got out of their trucks and ran away on foot. Gosh, okay. Mm. So, I mean, where do they run to? Uh, They run back where they came from, back towards the forest where they had been camped for the night, and they eventually come across a Volkswagen Passat, a little, you know, car, Mm -hmm. and they fire on that car and they steal it. Uh, The the people who are in the car run away and they uh, attempt to escape back to Russia in this stolen car. A big problem, though, is by firing at the car, they blew out one of the front tyres. So the tyre very quickly ran down and then suddenly they were driving this car that was scraping along the road Mm. on its way back into Russia. Right, so nothing's going right for them, basically. (laughs) No. They're driving the car and they go into a town called Chupakivka. The thing is that they were understandably spooked and terrified by this stage. They were terrified that uh, the locals would report them. And he saw a man on the side of the road riding a bike past a row of plum trees with a phone to his ear and this group of soldiers in the car, his superior officers started screaming at him to kill the man. Mm. Uh, He didn't want to do it. They kept screaming at him, though, you have to kill him. He's going to give away our position. And so Vadim pointed his gun out the window and fired a burst of gunfire and killed this this man. Mm. So he's gone to Ukraine for three days and he's ended up shooting an innocent civilian. Yeah. The guy was on the phone to a friend, uh, we now know. And uh, they ran away again. Vadim ran off again. Eventually they surrendered and they were taken prisoner uh, by the Ukrainians. Mm. They decided to make Vadim the first Russian soldier to be charged with war crimes during this Mm. war. He was charged and he uh, pled for the forgiveness of the wife of the man he had shot. And he was sentenced to life in prison, Mm. which uh, was on appeal reduced to 15 years in prison. Uh, But we can, yes, so we can tell his story because he is a convicted criminal and no longer a prisoner of war. 
Vadim's story, it's one story, of course, of one soldier, and as you say, you can tell it because he has been convicted. But it it would be replicated again and again. Yeah. You know, scale up that story to 190,000 Russian troops going into Ukraine and you get an interesting idea of of why this has been it's been such pandemonium for them. I mean Vadim at least was was a man who deliberately signed up for the military. Now Vladimir Putin is you know conscripting people sending them into Ukraine with 2 weeks training. Vladimir Putin the the Russian military failed him. And now he's in a nightmarish quagmire and losing more and more ground by the day. Matt Bevan is the host of Russia If You're Listening. You can find the podcast on the ABC Listen app. If you want to hear what it's like in a Ukrainian prisoner of war camp, an ABC reporter was given rare access and we covered that on the 4th of November. That's in your feed. This episode was produced by Stephen Smiley, Flint Duxfield and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer this week is Sydney Pete. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.